This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. A recent Japanese study has found that laughing with others reduces the risk of heart problems by 40% and the risk of degenerative diseases by 30% as compared to laughing alone. But there are many other reasons we teachers should add humor in our classrooms. Find out more in today's show with me, your host, Jaya Hiranandani, on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, namaste, ni hao, bonjour. You are listening to The Morning Show with me, Jaya Hiranandani. And in the next hour and a half, we are going to talk about humor in the classroom. I think humor is one of the most um, underrated tools in our pedagogical toolboxes. I personally like to add fun and laughter in my class as it makes me happy. But you know the old adage, happy teacher, happy students, right? What's that? It's happy wife, happy life? Oh, well, you'll agree that happy teachers make for happy students and vice versa. So, you must know why all the numbers are scared of seven. Yes, of course. It's because seven, eight, nine. But do you know what zero set to eight? Nice belt. Well, of course, you know that I'm a primary school teacher, right? These jokes are for young kids. But if you laughed at that joke, you boosted your immunity, uh, immune system by decreasing cortisol and other stress hormones and incre- increasing immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies. You probably also released endorphins, the body's natural feel-good chemicals. Endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being and can even temporarily relieve pain. In fact, in the 1970s, Norman Cousins, a longtime editor of the Saturday Review, published an article called Anatomy of an Illness as Perceived by the Patient in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, Cousins was hospitalized in 1964 with severe pain, high fever, and near paralysis of the legs, neck, and back. But he was able to recover remarkably from a severe and life-threatening disease of the connective tissue called degenerative collagen illness by using a very powerful drug called laughter. He actually made the joyous discovery that 10 minutes of genuine belly laughter had an anesthetic effect and would give him at least two hours of pain-free sleep. So he would get the nurses to read him excerpts from the humor columns of E.B. White and Max Eastman and show him candid camera reruns and old Marx Brother movies. And the New England Journal of Medicine, which published his article, Um, It's a required reading for physicians, 
and it was surprised to receive more than 5,000 letters in response to that article written by a layman. And Norman Cousins then went on to expand this article and publish a book by the same name, Anatomy of an Illness as Perceived by the Patient, Reflections on Healing. A good hearty laugh does, uh, does relieve physical pain and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes after. Laughter protects the heart, studies have found, it, because it improves the function of blood vessels, increases blood flow, and protects us against heart attacks. It helps us live longer. A study in Norway found that people with a strong sense of humor outlived those who don't laugh as much. Um, so going back to the study that I quoted in the beginning of this show, um, it was actually a Japanese gerontological evaluation study and the, the, the researchers, um, tracked 12,571 participants above the age of 65 and asked them to keep track of when they laughed, how many times they laughed and with whom they laughed over a period of six years. And then um, they, they observed 1,420 different functional disabilities. So functional disabilities are any conditions that stop us from leading a normal life independently. And in the study, it was found that laughing with others, like when you're with friends um, or in your class as a teacher um, or as a student, reduces the risk of functional disabilities by 30% as compared to laughing alone, like when you're watching TV a TV show or Netflix or something. Um, so um, I myself try to use humor as much as I can in my classroom. Not fantastically clever humor, but I do add jokes to my slides and my humor is actually usually self-deprecating which sadly is quite subtle. So a lot of times my students or even my colleagues don't get it. But oh well, I'm working on it. And we have some amazing guests lined up today to give us some food for thought when it comes to being funny as a teacher and adding laughter to your students' learning experience. So our first guest is Patrick Oatley O'Connor. And... Um, I see him here. Hi, Patrick. Can you click on the call in? Um, here we are. Good morning. So just a little bit of an introduction. Patrick Otley O'Connor, um, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Yeah, well, that, yeah, Patrick Otley O'Connor. Quite often yeah. there's a lot of humour to conversations, my surname, but I might pick up on that later on. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to hear that, but I just want to give a little bit of an introduction. Uh, Patrick has been teaching for more than 35 years, 28 of which have been spent um, at, in senior leadership. Um, and uh, he's also an executive coach and well-being supermodel. He's the father of five boys and a he for she women at champion. And I happen to be a part of the women at Taiwan chapter. So I was really excited to find that out, Patrick. Um, so um, let's get started by um, getting to know you, Patrick. And so tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in education. 
<clears throat> yeah, uh, I say I started training 38 years ago uh, as a young PE teacher um, in, in, in the north of England. Um, I had a, a lovely and varied career. Uh, I've worked particularly in, uh, in, in schools in, in areas where there's been particularly high deprivation and disadvantage. Um, but I, again, I've worked, I've worked all over the country. I've managed the pleasure of doing some international work, working with some schools to support with leadership development, etc. But um, sort of coming towards the twilight of my school career right now, this is my final year in full-time uh, teaching before I, I start oh. retirement. Um, oh, wow. So, so that's, that's where I am. But uh, again, I, I, the, the, the topic you, you, you highlighted over here really resonates with me. In fact, uh, I've always, um, all, always through my career, used humour um, in, in my teaching I suppose in, in in the staff room, in the classroom, in the boardroom, as a, as a senior leader. Um, although um, th- there are, I found out when I first became a head teacher, such things as called boss jokes, where a, a boss might say a, a joke, a head teacher might say a joke, and people laugh just because of your position of influence. You, you do have to be yeah. careful; that you don't believe your own hype sometimes, in, in terms of being funny. But uh, I have sort of very strong views on on, on the use of humour uh, and where I would use it, where I wouldn't use it. Um, I think the introduction I talked about my name. I once took over a school that was, was deep in, in special measures in, in Catherine. He wasn't performing as well as he should have done. Uh, I took over as the head teacher, and, and the previous head had had been really quite put on a pedestal as, as the head teacher of the, of the school. And uh, he had his own little parking space at the front of the school, and his his secretary would bring him a cup of tea every morning on his desk with a newspaper, and he'd slowly take the school into special measures and also into a, a, a major financial deficit that resulted in I had to make 25 redundancies in my first year but okay. this reverence we have for people in seniority I, I wanted to break straight away so I lost the parking space and, and, and started talking staff but my initials in in, in, in schools on, on a system a management information system called sims um, people you normally use your first and your last first initial and your last two initials on the timetable and my initials back then when I started there were POC Patrick Otley O'Connor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I deliberately, when I joined that school, changed my initials to P-O-O, the Otley and the O'Connor. So my initials are poo. <laughs> and, and, and I did it intentionally for that reason, because people just took the role too seriously of a leader. And I right. had to sort of break that deference that, that, that was there. So, in fact, my, my, my wife is called Melanie, so she's Moo. We have five boys. We, have, we now have two private registration plates in our car. One is Moo, five poo. And one is poo five me. Um, and, and the kids on the timetable, if they get me on the timetable, it will say poo on their timetable. And they find it quite useful. Um, some people don't like it, uh, but that's okay. Yeah, what a great thing to be a leader and to be able to laugh at yourself and let others, you know, have a laugh at your expense sometimes. That's fantastic. Now, I heard um, introduction about self-deprecating. I think humor has to be part of that, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I do that a lot, you know, and I, I it just makes my students feel that I'm human and I make mistakes or I can get silly or, you know, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I sometimes I use it as excuse when I make a mistake, like I laugh mm-hmm. at it and, you know. Um, yeah, so um, you just mentioned uh, you have strong feelings about when we should use humor and not. So let's jump into that right away. And that would, you know, that I think that would be a great takeaway for some of us teachers who are, you know, who are wanting to use humor more in our classroom. 
So tell us more about what do you think in your experience as a head teacher and as a teacher, when and when and when not should teachers use uh, humor? Okay, well, uh, the, the, the first thing, when I, when I start in any school, I tend to go to schools now that have got myself into either a spot of bother, either through leadership instability or through, say, an, an Ofsted category and so on. So I, I've moved school as a head teacher on a variety mm -hmm. of times to go and do a specific piece of work. And every time I introduce myself to staff, the first slide I put up is one around well-being, which is look after yourself first before helping others so we can make the biggest difference to the students. But then my introduction right. to me, I say, if I get someone with a, a, a watch with a, that can count me a minute, someone to time me for one minute, and I say, for the next minute, I'm going to tell you at least one lie. You've got to guess what the lie is. And I just go on like this would I lie to you type show. And I just go on and talk about... Uh, say a variety of things about me and people have to guess whether it's a lie or not so i've got okay. things like uh i've had an audience with the dalai lama i wet myself on the first day at primary school uh i've had dinner with prince philip i uh lisa stansfield the 80s pop 90s pop singer sang at my 50th birthday party a whole variety of things mm. to and do and then as, as people then guess which one it is I'll tell the small anecdotes, humorous anecdotes behind each one of those stories, which are all true, by the way. And mm -hmm. oh, okay. people, have, people have to guess which one's true, which one's not true. And at the end, someone always guesses. When I've gone through most of the anecdotes, and that's taken probably about 10, 15 minutes to, to unpick, that someone will say, is the lie that there was no lie? And my serious point on that will be, that's right, there is no lie. In fact, I'll never tell you a lie. I'll always tell you the truth. <laughs> even sometimes that truth is hard to, to take. I'll always be up front with you. And, and it, it, that allows me to use a humorous start to make a really serious point about what I, my integrity. And I tell staff quite right. clearly that if, uh, I'm very hard to insult. I'm very hard to offend. If you want to offend me, just tell me I've lost your trust. Tell me that I've, I've, my integrity has been challenged because that really would upset me. So I expose my vulnerabilities as a leader. And I use humor for that introduction. Where, where I wouldn't use humor, and I have... One of, one of my eldest son, who's 28, he's now in his fifth year as a teacher. And our son number three mm -hmm. uh, is, is just doing his initial teacher training. He's, he's trained as an accountant, but he's now just retraining now to, uh, to teach maths. And I, I had this conversation only a few weeks ago regarding the, the use of humour. What, what I will affectionately call dad jokes. And I've gendered that by doing it. But the very jokes you were, you know, seven, eight, nine, like you said earlier on, what, what, <laughs> what, what do you call uh, a woman with a tortoise on her head? Shelley, what do you call a, a, a man with a number plate on his head, a car with a number plate on his head, Reg, and so on. Those sorts of jokes <laughs> are the jokes I would maybe tell as, 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 as nothing simple as that. My number one rule is that they're never offensive. They're not used to, yeah, people, not exactly. used to put people down, although I do believe you can use sarcasm. I think sarcasm yeah. has a place, I think, uh, to get that going. I think as much as we can to not to cause rifts and be exclusive but to for inclusion for diversity for equality to use humor to try and reinforce those points whenever whenever appropriate but again not not to not to create an issue not something like the humor of the 70s as, as it was uh, and yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't joke say for example about the pandemic because although there's, there's much humor in any you, you don't have to see as soon as any crisis happens or any tragedy happens within moments somebody's tweeting out or put, putting out their jokes that are uh, about that situation. Yeah. And, and actually, things like the pandemic in the UK, over 150,000 people have died as a result of, of that. I, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't use a joke around that. I can use humour around the situation, yeah. but I wouldn't make jokes around uh, around those situations that are likely to cause offence. So uh, they they would be my my main ones. And I said that the use of humour in most situations in the classroom can really help. So a child has a first aid incident. My boys know I do this, but the kids in school know I do exactly the same. You know, a child's broken down and had a really bad graze on their arm or, or even broken a leg or whatever. Once I know yeah. that we've got the first aid underway and I'm trying to distract them from their injury, I would use a line like, that could have been a lot worse. It could have been me that had broken my leg. Or, or you know, or, or just something yeah. that just breaks the mood of a conversation. A bit like, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the animated film Up, with the, the dog, yeah. the, the, the golden retriever that sees a squirrel and squirrel and distracts. Well, humour can be used to really distract people within crisis or within worrying situations. So if you're out on a, a mountain walk and the weather turned, weather's turned bad, people are finding it really difficult at that point and their resilience has really been tested, then some yeah. jokes, some um, humorous puzzles or whatever you're doing while you're walking can yeah. really help to break a mood and lift spirits. Distract and also distract well. you from yeah, from the yeah. suffering. Yeah, absolutely, know, right? and, and I would say in a, in a in a classroom situation, use humour is fine. As soon as there is an incident, incident where there's a potential conflict or a dispute of any sort with a student or between students, it's at that point where I would say, "Stop, okay, we're now going to be appropriate." Not that it's inappropriate before, yeah. but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use as I've seen before where members of staff have got themselves into trouble where they've tried to use humour to put somebody down or to get somebody to behave where, where, where it's not been going well. So the use of sarcasm there or once a student has yeah. complied, then using sarcasm um, or, or, or humour really to make a point saying I've won and you've lost, that sort of uh, approach uh, is definitely not welcome. I think in, in any other situation, such... I think it, it, it does it. It, tell, it helps people overcome things. So we go on school residentials. So you go on something like a, an outdoor pursuits activity. Mm-hmm. I've done those with the army. I've done those with an organisation in the UK called PGL, etc. And you go there, and, and, and there's normally quite a, a conversation before you start doing the activities with the instructors, where they'll say, "How much do you yeah. want to be involved?" And mine is normally, "Well, involve me." And if, you, if there's anything you want to do that's embarrassing or to try out or to, by all means, use me as the example. So the, the, the instructors quite like that. And the students love to see it when the teachers are being uh, embarrassed or humiliated or, 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 or uh, having comments said to them. So anyway, the, the, yeah. all so those sort of ways I would use them. Some of what you just said, that, you know, humour is great, uh, you know, you know, like when the weather is bad or somebody gets hurt, if you use it in the right way. But I really like what you also said about being sensitive um, and also, uh, you know, humor shouldn't be uh, hurting anybody's feelings. And I have some some resp- responses on the live chat here, and I'm going to read that those out as well. Anika said, I really appreciate the fact that you don't use other people's misfortune as basis of humor and don't insult, etc. because uh, often so many people do this and actually don't take into consideration the impact it can have on children or adults. And that's a great point because we have to teach this to our children as well to use humor, but uh, but carefully. So I'm glad you brought that up. Jess Gosling says sarcasm is definitely something you really have to be careful with. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't use um, uh, that in schools. Children can really struggle to understand and it is a put down. But 
Yeah, I agree. Sarcasm can be a bit tricky, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that with our next, you know, with our uh, another guest on our show later. So, so Patrick, going back to your experience. So, um, so your Twitter profile said, um, you know, and you're t- looking at your Twitter pic, you can, I mean, I knew you could be a supermodel, but well-being supermodel, that sounds even better. So um, I think I personally feel humor is a part of well-being. So tell us a bit more about, uh, you know, being a well-being supermodel. What does that mean to you and how does um, humor feature into that? Okay, we education, teaching can be an incredibly stressful job. It, it, just, it just can. Yeah. It's, a t- it's a tough gig. Absolutely. It's so worthwhile as well. And in, yeah. I, I do meet many um, many leaders or teachers in the classroom support, but leaders as well, uh, the principals, um, a senior leadership team, governors, uh, whoever in leadership who find the role incredibly challenging and lose perspective of their own well-being and, and prioritising their own well-being. So I use there's a big piece of research which, which talks about the five ways to well-being, and that is if we exercise – if we are mindful and notice what's going on in ourselves, if we volunteer and help others, uh, if we um, if we learn new things, uh, mm-hmm. we, uh, be, be really positive as well, and also staying connected. So after this, after we've done this call today, I will put a tweet out that will talk about Teacher Five a Day, which is the five a day I'm talking about. I'll talk mm-hmm. about hashtag Connect because we're connecting in conversations, and yeah. you and I, although we've tweeted before, we've, this is the first time we've spoken. And that's really good for our well-being. Um, the yeah. um, vo- volunteering, I volunteered to come on here to talk to you today as you volunteer the, the show that you put on. That volunteering, what you do, also releases endorphins that are really good for us, for ourselves. Yeah. On here again already, I've learned some of the things from listening to your introduction today around humour that just reinforces and learning things are good for us. All these things yeah. really support our mental health and well-being. And the reason yeah. it is tongue-in-cheek, and, I, and, and when I, 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 I do... Uh, I'll speak at a conference about becoming a, a, a well-being supermodel and the things that I do around that. And the reason I use yeah. that term because it sounds so naff. It sounds so um, arrogant in some respects. But the reason I do that is because many leaders think they haven't got the time. And actually, if you as a leader are coming to school, you're the first one in school, you're the last one in school, you look stressed, you're not prioritizing, you're not yeah. modeling how to behave as a leader, then the people who aspire to be you will... Yeah. aspire in your shadow or or, or actually yeah. i'm not going to be like that so i won't be a leader so for me yeah. i'll do at least one tweet around well-being every day of the year 365 years at least one and i'll talk around uh, around each one of those aspects of those fives and i do believe we we are the behaviors that we we actually you know we do become the behaviors that we do we do demonstrate not just talk about so i talk about well-being i act out my well-being i show my well-being so my approach to cooking, and I enjoy cooking, a picture of my food goes out most evenings. If I go for a run, I put that tweet out. If I've supported or helped somebody else, I shall do that. If I've noticed the leaves changing colour outside or a particularly moss, um, you know, frosty or misty morning or whatever, I'll put those out again just, just so we don't miss those moments. Um, so yeah. the, the, the well-being supermodel really comes up. from... What's the hash- What's the Twitter hashtag for, for the five things that you just mentioned? Could you tell us hashtag again? Hashtag teacher five a day. Five as in the number. And it's yeah. a, re- a really strong movement. Um, and yeah. you, you'll find, and, so, uh, again, we, ne- next weekend I'm, I'm speaking at the, um, you mentioned Women Ed, Women Ed uh, Southeast England uh, Conference 
on menopause as he okay. for she and talking about how I'm leading within that within school and so on along with a, a group of w- wonderful inspiring uh, women uh, within that yeah. on, on the back of that I'll also on the back of the, the, the hashtag he for she and women ed I will put a teacher five a day connect or volunteer yeah. on there because it's again me doing that is, is again it's good for my my own well-being is to support and uh, work with other, other other people and support and amplify the voices yeah. of, of women, for example, through women. I'll do the same through BAME or LGBT Ed or Disability Ed, etc. It, it, yeah. uh, it, it's good to share and good to care. But using humour and knowing when people see Wellbeing Supermodel, it makes people smile. Having Hurricane, my 66-year-old tortoise, pinned as my... Yeah. Friend, <laughs> that went crazy during lockdown. That particular thing tweets had over 2.1 million views of the video. Hurricane playing football. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Hurricane. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, (laughs) he he must have made people laugh and, you know, those endorphins, you know, flowing when you see a... So um, this for the audience, um, Patrick has a a 65-year-old turtle or tortoise? 66-year-old tortoise. Now, turtle, uh, in in, in some parts of the world, the tortoise is called the turtle, so he, he answers to most things. He is an Iranian spur-thigh <laughs> tortoise, 66 years old. When he, when he comes out of hibernation in about a month or a month and a half's time, he will oh, be Oh, he's sleeping we, we, right now, We though. use that as his birthday, so he'll be 67 when he wakes up this year. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, so, uh, so he was, I think, a source of those feel-good endorphins, just like humor is. And just going back to what you just said, um, connection, uh, I think humor is is you know, it connects people instantly. Um, and also talking about what you just said, you know, we connected through uh, Twitter and um, that was amazing. Like uh, I did um, listen to one of your videos today, um, uh, one of your interviews today, actually. Um, and then I found out about um, Hurricane and that was really exciting. I went back and I found uh, some of the some of the videos of him kicking a football, it was hilarious. And I can imagine people, uh, children finding it so much fun. Um, so um, you're a dad of five boys. I'm a mom of two boys. I don't know how you guys did it. Five boys, that's amazing. So tell, tell, tell us a funny incident you experienced as a teacher or a- admin or as a dad. And uh, what was the reaction of the students or your children? I don't know, you know, just... But the, the, there are there are so many um, <laughs> incidents you can talk about. You know, I mean, I find humour in most situations. So, of course, like most, I'm going to say male teachers here wearing a suit in the, in, in class, and, and some out there won't have done at some point. But as you get older, you get a little bit bigger, and those suits you're wearing are a little bit tighter. Uh, on, on two occasions, I've split my suit. Uh, one occasion was, um, which just became a standing joke with this class for, for years, I was teaching about the, um, uh, the Mary Rose, a famous ship that sank off the coast of the south of England to a group, mm-hmm. of, a group of students. And I, at the time, I had, I had a student on my uh, health and safety risk assessments probably weren't as strong as they needed to be back here in the late 80s. But I had a student sat on my shoulder showing how this, this ship was top heavy. And as I put this child down and bent down on the floor, my suit pants ripped from the back <laughs> all the way around to the front, which, <laughs> which was... Which was difficult. There was a teaching assistant in the classroom as well at the time, and it, it became a, a, a obviously took my jacket off and wrapped it around my waist and so on. But it became a real source of humour from then on. And in fact, in the staff meeting the following morning, I was presented with a needle and cotton by the head teacher uh, as a as a as a, bo- as a booby prize. 
So we. That, <laughs> and what was that, the kids' reaction? Oh, just, <laughs> did just they realize what happened? Well, there's there's initial shock, and then there's <laughs> people just fall to pieces in terms of where they go. There there are um, there are a variety of things that happen sometimes where, uh, as a teacher, you'll sometimes say things and 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 you'll say you'll say the wrong word, and it's only happened to me once. But I once said a really wrong word in front of a whole assembly. <laughs> In front of the head teacher, the deputies, and um, 373 children in my year group, and the place just fell apart. And I thought, I'd, I'm, I'm not going to repeat the word. I, I should have said we were doing year, we were doing discos for the year sevens at, to raise some money for a, an outing or something on a Friday. And instead of saying, "Come on down and strut your funky stuff," I said something that I shouldn't have said. And it was, it, was, it just came out. Yeah, right. it's a family and, show. I'm not going to ask you to repeat No, 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 not at all. The audience kind of got that message. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm that, glad you what, got to keep your job, though, and you're here, and we're glad I, I, to I, I, I did get to survive. But, but again, I, I, find, I find something to laugh about every day. And um, even if I only find it funny, I suppose, um, I, I, I do look for humour, um, I, I, particularly... And I said during the pandemic, I won't. You, you don't joke about the pandemic, but the situations that can arise where we can find yeah. humour, or the way we tell our stories um, to, to people, uh, to, to lift spirits and so on. I think finding humour in there is, is is absolutely the way to go. I, I, I have out in the uh, break time and dinner time on duties. It's, it's not just the young ones as well, but the older ones as well. I have groups of students will come along. I've got I've got one group of year ten boys at the moment who come along every break time and want either a joke or a funny story every lunchtime. And they come to me and they have their daily fix and off they go. Wow. And, it's and, a skill, isn't it? You just, know, just, just because you know, that's just, what we yeah. set off doing. Yeah, remembering these jokes and, you know, and, and having being that person who people expect to make you laugh. That's amazing. So we could talk all day, but um, I'm afraid we are coming to the end of our time together. And, I'm, you know, so I have just one last question for you. And you've, you've got this immense experience. And what advice would you give to a new teacher who would like to add fun to their teaching practice through humor? And in these pandemic times, we all really need it. So I would what's say, your within within teaching, within leadership, being being authentic and being your true self is really important. And I think absolutely, I I, I grew up with a, a real um, imposter syndrome because I came from an area where first generation at university, sort of from mm -hmm. poverty really, and always thought I was going to be found out, and that that was really quite difficult. And and I wasn't mm -hmm. my true, true self, probably until becoming a deputy and someone saying advice, saying just be the person that we know. That was at an interview where I, I, I just, I, he said, you spoke and just talk like you'd read a book. Just be yourself because that's the person we want. So I, I've just been myself and actually been authentic. So don't force it. If, if humour isn't central to what you do, you don't have to be a comedian in the classroom. Exactly. If, if you do have an inner comedian, then you've got to harness that and make sure that you still stay focused on the job we've got to do, but use that as a superpower if you have that as a, a thing to do. So I think don't don't shy away from it. Use it. Feel free to take feedback. You know, ch children are hard critics, and you'll you, in, yeah. establishing your, <laughs> in, you in, get in, instant in, feedback. Yeah I, yeah, I would say to any any teacher or any leader at whatever level, 
the first thing you do in your classroom or in the staff room or holding, you know, a, a, even a CEO of the trust with your your team you meet, the first thing is about establishing expectations. And that is where we start. For me, it's about establishing, yeah. establishing a, a, a relationship or establishing yeah. a situation where people can take risks and trust is a strong part of that. And actually risk-taking is part of that. And also establishing relationships and the relationship where people can be open and honest and share and be serious together and, and have fun together. For me, I, I, I model that right from day one, as I did when I said when I, I introduced myself to the staff for the first time. I don't stand up and say I've been a head teacher now for 18 years and I've been this for that. I, I just stand and tell things and openly bear my approach to people so people can buy into that. You want your children to buy into you. You want the staff that you lead to buy into you as well. So just just be yourself and, and really um, open and share that. Yeah. So I'll just sum what you just said. Those are, that's some amazing advice. Be authentic. Don't force it. Um, establish that connection and create boundaries. This is amazing. I think... Um, um, I think this is really important, especially as teachers. We kind of are scared to use humor because we feel like we are, you know, we might lose control of our class. So that's so spot on. Having those boundaries and you know establishing those relationships really help to use humor in a very very positive way. And also being authentic. I think it comes down to our students as well. You know, as teachers, we have to be sensitive. You know, if, you know, when we have, you know, we all have those class clowns, but we have to be very careful that they are not. You know, you mentioned imposter syndrome, and a lot of times, um, our class clowns are trying to hide uh, a problem they're facing, or they're they're feeling like they don't, you know, they don't belong, or they're not doing good enough. So we have to be sensitive and make sure that they are really being authentically funny and not hiding something. And it's just a syndrome. It's 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 something that it's like doing shadow work when you talk about it. It really isn't really there. So if you know what I mean. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much, Patrick. I know you had a family um, a family thing, and it's uh, what nine thirty in the morning yes. uh, in the UK. So thank you so much for coming and taking out your precious time. I uh, really appreciate it. And we'll stay connected on Twitter. And I'm looking forward to your, um, your tweets uh, about five, teach, yeah. teacher five a day. That's correct. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you so much. A great show. Thank you very much. Bye. Okay. Bye. So um, before we move on to our next guest, let's listen to some messages from our sponsors. And we have the news and a two-minute tech tip. So here we go. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod, an exciting new addition to the Renaissance family. Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland 
full, full free access, free access to, Nearpod to Nearpod for the whole, whole spring, spring term. term. So, so, no matter no what 2022 brings, brings Nearpod, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wonder Letters and Sounds Revised is the program for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wonder Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The program offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewonderlettersandsounds.org.uk. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Israel National News website reports on comments made by UK Education Minister Nadim Zahawi that UK universities must adopt the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism. Mr Zahavi stated that the definition is essential, not optional, and that it is a way of telling everyone, students and staff, that anti-Semitism has no place anywhere. During the Holocaust Educational Trust's Lord Merlin Reeves lecture, Mr Zahavi said he was not going to ease up until we see everyone fall into line on this. He also he acknowledged that old hatreds were beginning to rear up again, again and that it and was, was, therefore, essential to keep speaking up about the Holocaust. He pledged, he pledged continued government support for the Jewish community, saying that British Jews and Jewish students who were the victims of anti-Semitism on British campuses should not be left to combat anti-Semitism on their own. In the Channel Island of Guernsey, face coverings will no longer need to be worn in classrooms from next week. The coverings, the coverings will remain, remain compulsory in communal areas for both staff and students in secondary and post-16 settings. settings. Nick Hines, Director of Education, told ITV News, News the move signals, signals further positive steps, steps as we will, as we will all, all seek to return to a more normal education experience. experience. The move echoes changes, changes to rules around face coverings in parts of the UK. In England, in England, however, Boris Johnson, Johnson has had to issue a statement telling secondary schools to follow the latest guidance after some headteachers head said they would encourage their students to keep wearing masks despite the change of government, government advice. advice. Many, school Many school leaders have pointed to the Department for Education's advice, advice updated on Thursday that states that a nursery school or college might advise you that face covering should temporarily be worn in communal areas or classrooms. Schools and Wales will retain, will retain face, face coverings, coverings for another, for another month. month. In Rwanda, In Rwanda university, university researchers are being asked to help combat climate change. change. Researchers are being called upon to come up with proposals that could inform policy on long-term climate change adaptation. Areas of research could include soil management and agroforestry, soil and water engineering, environmental management and natural resource management. Juliet Cabra, the Director General of the Rwanda Environment Management Authority, who were working with the University of Rwanda and the Higher Education Council, said, The programme seeks to enable the country to make informed policy decisions about long-term climate change adaptation. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week Steve has lost his voice, so I am going to take a look at visualizing in the classroom. Before I begin, this is not about which product is best and comparing brands and features. This is about what you need to consider to make the best choice for your school or department. Visualizing in the classroom, in my opinion, is getting something that will be difficult to see into a format that a whole class can see more easily. This may be a live image or a still image. Also, it may be projected onto a large screen or cast out to multiple devices. The whole idea is it makes something small more accessible. The list of devices that can do this is huge, but they fall, roughly, into three categories. Visualizers, document cams, and webcams. What is the difference? In sport, the definition of fitness is the ability to cope with the environment around you. When you are purchasing a device, this is what you need to consider. Don't just buy one because someone else uses it and says it's amazing. Their environment may be totally different to yours. The factors that are going to affect your purchase are cost, size, software, portability, features, and what you already have in terms of audio-visual equipment. Lighting is sometimes overlooked and depending on what you are capturing can make a huge difference. Starting with the most expensive option, the visualizer. Generally, classroom visualizers come with a large footprint, meaning they take up a lot of desk space. They tend to have a high-quality downward-facing camera, lighting built-in top-down, and even sometimes a backlit bed. They tend to allow control from the unit, so there will be little or no need to move away from the device to operate. This may be useful if a lot of time is spent using the device or furniture obstructs movement. A lot of visualizers are also standalone, meaning they work independently of your computer. However, additional software can be installed to further augment the experience. Document cameras tend to be less expensive, have a smaller footprint, and be more portable compared to visualizers. However, they usually have less features and need a computer to use them. Although they are plug and play, there is normally additional software available that will provide the ability to capture still and moving images, zoom in and out like a visualizer, but normally control is via the computer it is attached to. Generally, they do not feature built in lighting, they tend to have a built in microphone. The cheapest option, the webcam, is plug and play and may have additional software. However, the previous devices are designed for projecting something desk based to an audience. The webcam is designed to work in a different way, but can be more versatile, especially if you move rooms frequently. You need a computer to plug it into. Some come with flexible arms and a base you can plug it into, but like the document cam, they are restricted by the length of the USB cable. Now we have an idea of what the devices are capable of. The next question is what do you already have? Do you have an interactive board? If so, imaging a pupil's book with a cheaper webcam and using pinch zoom and annotation may do the job. Or in a bright setting, an HD webcam may do the trick. In the past, the board was the higher the price, the better quality of image. Today, that isn't necessarily so. My conclusion is before you spend out, do your research and consider the fitness of the device to your environment and your value for money. And please talk to your school technical support before you purchase anything. Sometimes devices are not compatible with school networks. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, screen reader, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back. So, here's another joke for you. What did Sherlock say when Watson's asked him what's the grade before middle school? It's elementary, my dear Watson. Great before middle school, elementary, hope you got that. Well, just by making a simple joke, my brain made connections and produced a substance called serotonin, which not only increases focus, but improves our brain power. And if you laughed at that joke, then congratulations, you just burned half a calorie. It's true, laughter burns calories. Okay, so that doesn't mean that you'll give up your gym membership or stop exercising. But one study did find that laughing for 10 to 15 minutes a day can burn approximately 40 calories, which could be enough to lose three to four pounds over the course of a year. Moving on to our next guest. 
I have known him for many years now as a colleague in a fairly large school, but I actually got to know him when his wife, the lovely Jess Gosling, who was a guest at my previous show, posted a video of him on Facebook that he had created during online learning. So we will talk about that video and more on this, video, this interview that I recorded with Keith Gosling this week. Keith Gosling is a year three teacher. He's an international teacher and he's in Taipei just like me. And let's get started. This is his interview from this week. Hi, Hi Keith. Keith. It's so, it's so great, great to have to you have on, my, you on show. my show. Thank you for having, Thank you for having me. me. Yeah, yeah, so, so I have to I have admit, to admit uh, when, uh, I when I saw your video, your video so, so um, Jess, your, your wife, she put, she put videos of you on Facebook during the time we had online learning. And, and we were all we were making all videos, videos at that, at that time, time, but mine but were mine more were like screencastify, a little pop-in video of me and then explaining geometry or whatever. You were, you this, were this, uh, you, know, you know, Mr. Gosling's alter ego, ego and, you and you were his brother, brother and you were doing these amazing, amazing fun things, things and, and it was it hilarious. Was hilarious. And uh, I have to have admit to that admit I was that quite was envious quite when I saw those videos, videos and, and I wish I was as creative as I, you know, as that. I'm sure your kids love it. So tell me about those videos, tell me about online learning and yeah, let's get started from there. Okay, thank you for having me and yeah, it's not really because the children obviously after so much time online start to lose kind of a little bit focus and also we're a bit worried about not doing enough physical education and activities at home. So the idea of trying to make, make a, a little, little fitness, fitness video, video. Uh, but, uh, but my idea was that the was children would each make, make sort of, uh, uh, maybe, you know, 10, 10 20, 20, 30 seconds, and we put, put it all together and have a class, class video that we could follow. So, so, so that was where it started, where it started off. off. I just thought, well, you know, they all staring at my face most of the time, so how could I make this a little bit different? So it kind of involved putting as much of my own PE on as possible and make myself look a little silly, borrow my wife's sunglasses, one of hers, something to keep her hair pulled back, so it didn't, it was me, but it didn't really look like me, and then sort of, you know, I didn't really script it as such, just because I kind of knew what I wanted the children to do, so I had the kind of layout, did it in sort of four takes, four different little videos, and I had my daughter, my partner in crime, and she helped me out. She was hilarious as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know where, we know she, where gets she gets it from. It from. Yeah, yeah. She really she enjoyed really it. So it. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and so and we obviously so made these little videos, videos and, and uh, my old ego was up like electron Gosling. It allowed me to have that chat joke of some negative electron in there, which I really, but obviously the children didn't get it. I think the parents might enjoy that one. So yeah, that's where it kind of started. But in all honesty, it wasn't just because I just made a character out of there. One of my films that I really like is called the Dynamite. Okay. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. There's a character in there called Rex Bondo. So if you ever get 
other guys to maybe, maybe uh, and the children find that kind of thing really humorous so there's a lot of slapstick and silliness in there uh, and when I was doing my, my running on the spot my, my hair was flopping everywhere yeah. so there's a lot of visual you yeah. know comedy in there but a lot you know you know months later in the parent interviews afterwards the parents saying you know I really enjoyed your fitness video yeah. Um, which was, I mean, it was great, but at the time I actually had to convince the children that it was actually a real activity that I wanted them to do. Yeah. And half of them believed my brother, Electron Gosling, and then half <laughs> of them were like, why have you dressed up and why are you doing this so yeah. crazily? So it was a bit of a, took a, like another couple of sessions for them to really yeah. get on board with actually making the video. Yeah, it's good to have an element of mystery when you're learning. It makes it all interesting and exciting. And just to remind the audience, how old are your students? Um, they are year three so seven to eight years old okay fantastic so keep tell us um so how how much is humor a part of your daily life now that we are face to face at least for now i know you know we don't know what's going to happen things change with this pandemic uh, but we have been uh, consistently in school for the last few months and so is humor a part of your everyday classroom uh, climate uh, tell us more about it yeah um it, it is but i think that it's born out of a very sort of um a, a, you know the classroom has boundaries there's a very good sort of well in my opinion anyway uh, behavioral sort of strategies in there because um at the end of the day um i, I want the children to enjoy their learning have fun and like everybody does um but at the end of the day, I'm not their mate. Uh, um, I'm not a relative. You know, I'm still a teacher, but I'm a human being as well. So, um, the the humor aspect of what I do also comes in with the, the the when there's a line, it stops and we get on with work. So that that's very clear, and it actually takes. I'm I'm not one of these people. You know, back years ago when I was learning to be a teacher, it was like you know, don't smile until Christmas and things <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, it's horrible is, advice, it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I do think that in terms of having humour in the classroom, the children need to know who you are really, before, yeah. and you need to give them those boundaries so that it doesn't get out of hand. So an example for me, obviously with my, my year three class, it's fine, but um, I visited a reception class, actually my, my wife's class, and so we went in there to do an activity. So it was my normal, I would say, humorous self, which is, you know, given these children a lot younger in reception and they I just couldn't stop them so the game was like a tag game but with um, like a, uh, a float a, a swimming float so you kind of tap people and I emphasize the word tap people with the float to tag them so when showing the game to the reception students I kind of was uh, you know being silly 
and, and and when they tapped me, I was going, oh, you're so strong, and all the kind of things that you would do. But then, of course, when we started playing the game properly, the children just kept going for me, not the other children. Yeah. And then I was going, no, 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 we we could, and I didn't have those sort of strategies in place yeah. with that class to let them know. And then my wife came and saved the day, and I and I ran away. So um, <laughs> it was. Uh, they thought it was more fun to tag you than the or tap you than the yeah, other. Yeah, and, and so that's where you know, obviously, you have to have those kind of the, the children yeah. need to kind of know where you're coming from. You can't be. Um, yeah. Just going in and, and doing silly things, you have to kind of build that gradually. It's not a, you, you can't go in and be silly and expect the children then to calm down and get on with something 10 seconds yeah. later. So it's, it's, it's a, it is actually, you know, a lot of uh, behavior strategies to help understand that the classroom stays sensible when you need it. Yeah. And you, you really hit the nerve because, you know, that's what a lot of teachers are scared of uh, using humor. You know, we are scared that we'll lose control of our classrooms. Yeah. And so, I, I, yeah, I truly believe it's a skill. And I am a student. I'm still learning. So, so give us some strategies uh, or anything. I know, you know, uh, off the top of your head, if you can think of something um, that, you know, you kind of do to uh, help your students have those limits, have those boundaries, and still be able to enjoy the humor. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, it's like an, every year it's different as well because every class is different and sometimes it can change during the year. So how my classroom looked with regards to the behavior and the humor at the start of the year was very different to what it looks like now. Um, but I think you just use your own behavior strategies, the ones that are tried and tested and work for you. Um, you know, sort of countdowns work very well for me. And I use a, um, a sort of a, a peer I don't, I don't like peer pressure maybe, but it's a smiley, sad face system in my class. And the students do well together as a team. They get smiley faces, uh, maybe, you know, not listening. And then we maybe get a few sad faces. But obviously it's always on the positive. So it's very rare that they get uh, more sad faces. Well, hardly ever get more sad faces than smiley faces because at the end of the day, they, they're working towards uh, earning their, their choosing time or golden time or whatever you want to call it. So we still, we have that kind of reward in place. So... I, I use that and uh, I use it with things like countdown and you know the good old just giving them a look sometimes when yeah. they know um, it, yeah. it's all those kind of like sort of things that you can do um, to bring it back down again and you know uh, children can get overexcited that, that's yeah. brilliant that's fun and, and it's yeah. fine but then five four three two one and we're done and then if it's not there it's a sad face and then the, then the, their friends are going no stop it's not you know so it, yeah. it, that yeah. kind of works yeah yeah, so I hear you. So build it up slowly so um, it, sh it can change as the year goes by. You can build it up. Yeah. Also build, have your positive discipline strategies in place. And yeah, and great. That's great. Um, so um, uh, any for a new teacher or a teacher who has who's worried about losing control, uh, do you have any tips or ideas for them um, that, you know, I, I know you already gave us some really valuable advice, uh, um, you know, very important things. Uh, start, um, start slowly and then build it up. Uh, know your audience and have a positive um, discipline strategy. Anything else? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, it, I don't want to sound, you know, cheeky here, but um, <laughs> I, 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 Michael Rosen for me is one of the, is a, is a oh, great, yes. absolutely amazing guy. Chocolate cake. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, and, and I think if you can, um, do a little bit of chocolate cake in yeah. your day with your children and, and you know and just that kind of idea of that that 
the facial expressions, bring something in. And, you, you know, just start off, if you're worried about that, just start off. And if it's not your kind of thing, you don't just start off with a, a small bit, you know, something little that you can, you can feel yeah. comfortable and confident about and build into it. And actually, um, with my children, I use the, Michael Rosen does some tips on performance. And I, I kind of see, you know, teaching is a kind of a performance because you're trying to, you know, encapsulate them and get them to, to concentrate on you yeah. sometimes and things like that. So um, he gives some tips about um, performances and actually the last one, be silly, you know, and it, it's that idea of just just to whatever level that you feel confident and comfortable to be, then t- yeah. to, be, to be silly, you know, and um, it could be something at the end of the day. So if you're worried about, oh, this is going to ruin the rest of my day. The afternoons are a great time to have that little experiment. Yeah, you don't want to uh, start your day losing control and then like, um, yeah, you're yeah, you're not happy about. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And, and I think by the end of the day, um, especially after lunch, children need that release. You know, you know, they've been learning, especially if they've been in a. Um, uh, in, a, in, a, in an environment where they're not using their native language, mm. it's really, really great for you know for some for the teacher to have something funny to, for them to have that kind of like catharsis and you know yeah lo- you know like loosen up yeah yeah that sounds brilliant yeah and I think you know other things to do is you know it's obviously a form of those relationships with the students as well so yeah. um, that is a part to play with it so you know if you come across too much too quick then they're not going to trust you almost so it is it's, it's mm. a very you know different classes or you, you you know if you've got a more sensitive class then you need to be aware that you know the more um you know you know using your voice up and down too much might be just a little bit disturbing for them and right. you might need a subtle kind of uh, yeah. attempt at making things more interesting and, and humorous for them so um yeah. it, it does really depend on on the students in your class as well yeah yeah, that that's really a great point. We're not using humor for the sake of humor. It has a purpose. It it helps with the learning, and yeah, it helps the kids um, have a more positive attitude. So, if if done well, I guess like you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, being here, Keith. This was really really valuable. And uh, well, keep rocking. And I um, I you know. Uh, I, I do envy your class for uh, having a teacher like you. I wish I did when I was young, uh, but um, uh, I hope to be a teacher, you know, who help, you know, who lets the lets my students have fun. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, time for another round of sponsor messages. Hang in here, I'm so glad to have you um, because, um, and I'm hanging here because we are going to have our last and final guest, Christy Woodall, who's a teacher with years of experience teaching primary and a killer sense of humor. So you don't wanna miss that. Uh, Just two minutes of sponsor messages and then Christy will be on air. Whatever, Whatever learning, learning looks this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland 
full, free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. This is... So, um, without further ado, we are going to get right in and chat with our next get our next guest of the show, Christy Woodle. Hi, Christy, are you here? Hi, Jaya, I am. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. So, how are you doing? I'm absolutely loving the show. I can't believe you're making me go after Keith Gosling, but I'll make sure next time I get in there beforehand. <laughs> Yeah, and you work with uh, Keith. So Christy and I have known each other for many years now, and currently Christy's teaching year three. That's just one floor below my classroom. Uh, but Christy, tell us a little bit about your teaching journey. Obviously, you've been a teacher for many years, uh, your family um, and such. Okay. Um, so I'm a born and raised Canadian. And uh, I've kind of feel like I've always been a teacher to some extent. I have a younger sister. And um, at the age of 13, I started teaching my own tap and jazz class under the um, tuition of my teacher. So teaching for uh -huh. me has just always, just always kind of been part of my life. I feel like there was never a time when I wasn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I moved to Taiwan in, gosh, 1998 telling my parents, goodbye, I'm off to explore the world. I'll be home in two years. And let's fast forward to now. <laughs> and I wow. haven't been home. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what would you say your style of humor is in the classroom and otherwise? Okay. I would say my style of humor is not planned. So okay. what, I, what I mean by that, Jaya, if you asked me, if you put me on the spot and told me to tell a joke, I would be the worst joke teller ever. I mean, I, I forget jokes from the moment I look at them on the computer to the time I go to say them. So my humor is very innate. It's, it's authentic to me and my personality. And it is very spontaneous. I mean, Mr. Gosling would tell you that when we are in our resource room planning as teachers, the number of times that we just decide to do something at the expense of one, one of the members of the team in a jovial way. It just happens all the time. And that's kind of in my classroom, except it's not at the expense of the students, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I do hear laughter from the floor below me. And uh, <laughs> I, I really do. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, so what, what happens in the classroom? Like I've heard stories with 
you know, Starbucks? Um, you going to Starbucks uh, in the classroom? How does that happen? Okay. So obviously, <laughs> we all know humor looks very different depending on the age that we're working with. And um, in year three, what I love to do early on with them, um, just little ways of introducing them to my sense of humor. So for example, at the beginning of this year, if I wish to go to the restroom during the lesson and my learning assistant, uh, Jerry, was in the room, I would turn to Jerry and say, Jerry, I'm off to Starbucks. Do you want anything? And he'd say, yes, please. Can I have a latte? And for the first, I'd say, a couple of weeks, the children don't realize. And then suddenly, the penny will drop and someone will say, no, you're going to the toilet. <laughs> so it's, it's back from Starbucks in two minutes. <laughs> exactly. And where is your coffee? <laughs> and um, so... So tell us more about how does humor culminate on a typical day in your classroom? Um, I just try to bring things, little, little nuances of myself into the room. I think the most important thing any of us have, and probably why we struggle for the first two, possibly three years of our teaching career, is we really sometimes lose our authenticity. You know, we've just gone through university or we've just gone through the program and we're so scared of getting it right and we're so scared of people watching us and looking at our lesson plans. And once yeah. you lose that inhibition and decide that first and foremost, the most important thing in that room are the human beings. It's not the computer, it's not the whiteboards, it's, it's the humans. And, you know, we... We innately, as human beings, love to laugh. And, you know, I, I even, I saw a former student the other week. She came to collect a younger sibling at school. She's at boarding school now. And when I saw her, I exclaimed, you're like a real human now. Because the last time I saw her, she was only 10. You know, <laughs> I think it's just remembering that children, I was reading, um, just the other day after you and I had spoke that children yeah. literally laugh. Uh, obviously these are, are happy children and well-adjusted children, but on average hundreds of times a day. And how many adults can say that? Yeah. I was just, when you just said that, I was like, I wish that was true of adults. We are so, um, you know, and we all have problems and the problems don't go away mm -hmm. when we laugh, but we just get more, you know, we are more prepared um, to just be in the moment and whatever it is to face it if we laugh. And that, that's why, um, I'm, you know, I think a lot of us teachers are in that profession because we, we get that from the children, you know, we get, it's contagious, that kind of attitude to life where, you know, they laugh and they're so in the moment. So, I, I mean, I know personally uh, what you just said about children laughing um, and I, and as a teacher, I feel they will laugh anyway. When I laugh with them, it, I just feel good. And uh, mm -hmm. I just feel like it makes my learning, you know, my teaching and learning whatever happens in my classroom so much better. If yes. that happens in my classroom vis-a-vis -vis in the playground and with their friends, I also want them to think that learning is fun. So that is so true. Um, how do your kids react to the humor in the classroom? I know, you know, sometimes uh, it takes a while for them to, you know, get it. Especially mm. we have a lot of in international schools, a lot of our students are EAL learners. Um, English is their second, third 
uh, you know, it's an additional language for them. Um, yeah. So, so what's, you know, how, how does it help your kids or does it work for everyone? What do you think? Right. I would say that everybody benefits, even if you don't see a child that's willing to put themselves out there and mm -hmm. either um, have a go at, at being funny or a lot of times if I point, if I make a mistake on purpose, um, you know, with most recently place value and I'm, and, and I'm not adding things up right, initially children won't point out that you've made a mistake because they are scared to possibly, you know, they don't know you. Whereas if I were to yeah. make a mistake tomorrow, I would have eight hands instantly saying, Mrs. Woodall, you didn't add that up properly, you know? And I yeah. just think humor makes the children feel safe. And I want to say that humor and silliness to me don't, they're, they're not necessarily the same time, uh, same thing. It doesn't mean that you can't, be silly at times. Um, I don't do silly well, but I do. I, I think I do humor to to a Absolutely good extent. You do. Mm -hmm. There's there's a big difference in my mind. I, and I admire people who can be silly um, and who know how and when to use that and sprinkle it through the day. And and I, I guess I could be. I mean, I can express you know, frustration by pretending to like walk into a wall and then that kind of redirects the children because they can see, oh dear, Mrs. Woodall is frustrated. None of us are contributing. You know, you can't, I can be silly in that respect, but I really yeah. think it helps ground children and gives them a sense of, okay, this is a safe place. And this is somewhere where if my teacher can pretend to pull her hair out, well then I can exhibit <laughs> frustration as well, right? Yeah, and it makes it very literal, you know, and these are idioms pulling hair, you know, it, it mm. means you're frustrated and for them to make those connections, they are literally learning language as they are laughing and uh, having fun. Yes. Yeah, that is great. Hi, it's Hi, Electron, Electron Gosling, Gosling here with five top ten. Oh, Hi, wait, what's Electron happening? Hi, it's Electron What's happening here? I think that Mr. Gosling just can't stand how well this is going and he just had to get in there again. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a message. These are top, ten, top tips from Mr. Electron Gosling about using humor in the classroom. Uh, Gosling here with oh, five, there he is again. Top 10 tips that will be good for you to work 80% of the time, all of the time. Humor in the classroom. Number five, baby steps. Remember to walk before you crawl so that you can run. Number four, show your funny side, but you're not a mate. You're not going out for a pizza and a milkshake with these guys, but you want to show your funny side, but you're not a mate. Number three, two. Number one, find your silly, unleash it, let it go. You choose the time, you choose the place, make it happen. Like a small chihuahua headed for a lamppost, unleash that fury. This is Electron Gosling with top tips for humor in the classroom. Dada. No. Daddy. No, no, I'm on, I'm on the radio, I'm on the radio. What do you mean I don't get paid? Gosh, that electron gosling. Well, I can tell you what that. What He just crashed into our show. <laughs> his, 
his brother Keith is almost as funny. Oh, really? Yes, we did hear, you know, we did just did listen to his interview. But, um, well, he's forgiven, though, because those were some really good tips. I am just amazed at how many things I'm learning, even from Electron Gosling. <laughs> if, you listen, if you listen to him 100% of the time, you will get it right 80% of the time. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so just now, I mean, now that Electron Gosling crashed into a show, and so I just remembered we were talking, um, Keith and I, about online learning, and um, and that's when Electron Gosling was born, um, actually. So how was the le- online learning for you, and were you able to, I know you're in your class, I have been in your class, actually, a uh, long, long time ago, and I have seen you in action, and I know it's really, really fun but were you able to transfer that humor while you were online learning i mean online oh. team yeah great question um not as easily definitely it's more of a struggle um i think that when electron came into our life it was a breath of fresh air and and actually really um was a good learning experience for me to see that you know, you don't just need to get down to the grind of delivering the lesson and showing the children the videos. And it it was very evident after about the second week that these little people that would come to you at eight in the morning, you know, sometimes yawning, sometimes still with their little bedheads, they they needed more. They needed something that was so much more. And I can't say that I used humor other than a riddle of the day that maybe got a few moans. But what I started to do, which was kind of to do with well-being was I started to bring my little and I know, I know now you're you're scared I will just talk about Bowie but I started to bring my Dax hunt into the zooms and what that did was then it got children excited because they knew at the end of the zoom they could go get their pet and so we had gerbils we had a hamster I had some fish we had a tortoise we had Bowie we had a snowy another dog and wow. um, I think I think children were actually going out to buy pets just so they had something to feature by the, by the end of that six weeks. But it was, it was nice because it helped us to connect in a whole different way because I show my children videos of my dog, but they always say, oh, I wish I could see him. Or now obviously it's still on a video format, but it, it just helped us to come together and connect better. Absolutely. And yes, I, you know, uh, you had such a great point here. Humor is like a well-being. They're, they're so interconnected um, that, you know, like I think what we, we talk about well-being a lot nowadays and that humor is such a great tool um, if used well uh, mm-hmm. to uh, bring about, you know, fulfilled, you know, those, um, you know, we want our kids to um, feel safe and secure in the classroom. Um, so finally, what advice do you have, Christy, for someone who might be afraid of losing control if they use humor in the classroom? And I'm asking this of all my guests, and I'm sure you have your own um, own do's and don'ts, or so to say, about this. Okay, I would say um, I'm a strong believer in set the parameters and let them feel safe and introduce humor slowly drip feed them, if you will. You don't want to be perceived as you're a pushover or you're silly or you're always cracking jokes. Nobody likes that person who always cracks jokes. 
Um, also, I would say it has to be authentic. So, you know, bring what you do best, um, you know, whether that's, you know, telling a prescribed riddle or telling a joke or, you know, harnessing your inner, you know, Mr. Gosling and, and being electron, whatever comes authentically to you, children will respond to that. And I guess what my number one thing with that is in a classroom setting, the only person you can ever laugh at or use humor to point out fault is yourself. So I would never use humor. I would use humor to diffuse a situation when appropriate, but I would never use humor to laugh at somebody um, except for myself, of course. And I think in doing so, the children, I've got this one little boy in my mind's eye who the other day cracked himself up because realized that he had the wrong answer. And it was when he was explaining his initial thoughts, he, he just broke out laughing and it was so cute. We all ended up laughing and it was with him, not at him. Yeah, I think we do set the example when, you know, I think self-deprecating humor is beautiful that way because it just makes us realize that we're human and we make mistakes. And it's amazing that your eight-year-old could do that. They mm -hmm. could, and especially, you know, uh, you know, in a culture where we really value, of, uh, you know, being, being, being uh, to the point and having the right answers. This was, yeah, this is amazing. And I think you've been a great role model for them in the classroom. And they're, they're really, you know, it, it's great for them to um, develop these attitudes early on and realize that it's okay. They're going to make mistakes. And sometimes mistakes are actually funny and we can right. you know, fix them. Yeah, yeah. Anything you would like to add, Christy? No, I'd just like to thank you for this opportunity. And you've made me step out of my comfort zone because I'm somebody who has avoided social media at all costs. And yeah. um, I just really appreciate this opportunity. And it's been really nice to be able to connect with you. It has been amazing to have you on the show. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You're so welcome. And if ever you would like me to go on with Electron, now I think that would be I think that'd be a lot of fun. That sounds like a good future show. <laughs> Thank you, Jaya. Bye, Christy. Sorry, that was a bit premature. Bye, Christy. Sorry, I, I cut you off. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. So we're coming almost to the end of the show, but I do have, we've got some amazing nuggets of advice from the guests um, that we had today on the show, but um, I did, I did look it up and I found some more. And so we we do have some time. So I'm going to read some of the advice that I got from different places. Some of it is my own. So laugh at yourself when you do something silly or wrong mention it and laugh at it. I think we've all talked about um, uh, self-deprecating, uh, you know, humor, which is okay, but it's not okay to laugh at others. Um, one thing I really find is really fun is planning improvs in lessons. It really just cracks kids up, uh, you know, to be acting out. It's very, very spontaneous and it just uh, makes them... Um, be okay with not having control and not doing the regular uh, activities that we're doing. 
adding humor to tests, homework or class assignments. So I had put up a post on Facebook about, uh, you know, what others felt about humor. And one of the teachers, uh, she mentioned that when she uses, you know, whatever vocabulary she has for the for the week, the spelling words, she'll use them in a very silly story. Um, so, so that's really amazing. Just, just including humor in assignments and tests or homeworks is amazing. Um, keep a quotable bulletin board uh, or corner in your room. So have a, have a corner where you can add funny quotes, funny jokes, and children, whenever they need a release or they need a break, they can go and have a read of something funny and uh, maybe feel a bit better if they are stressed. Um, have joke Friday, ask students to bring in jokes to share either to start the day or to make a transition between lunch and the following class or at the end of the day. Ask students to try to build humor with occasion into occasional writing assignments. And it might, this might especially work with older kids who are already comfortable writing and then uh, asking them to add humor to their writing. Um, it's great, uh, especially it really helps us to make connections in our brain when we try to do humor. It's not an easy thing to do. Have a funny hat day, a mismatched sock day, or some other funny dress-up time. Build creative and humorous thinking by showing cartoons and pictures without captions and asking students to create captions, um, maybe by themselves or in think, you know, in pair share or in small groups. And finally, ask students to bring in books that they think are funny. Ask them to talk about why and to use examples from their books. So, and. We've also got some other advice from our guests. Be authentic, be yourself, know your audience, make connections using humor, but be careful, uh, be sensitive to people's feelings. Humor should not be offensive and we should not be using humor at other people's expense. Build it up slowly. Uh, um, you don't have to go full on in the beginning of the year. It might confuse your students, whatever age they are. Have your positive discipline strategies in place because you don't you don't you know the the fear is real when you when you use humor a lot of teachers are scared that they won't get their audience back the students you know it, it will deviate from the learning so make sure that you have those boundaries in place and I'm going to um, end with an, a quote from Ellen Jacob whoever said laughter is the best medicine was right. It's also the glue that holds friendships together. To laugh together at life's ridiculous turn of events makes those events bearable. To laugh at the funny things in life makes life wonderful. The real gift is having a friend to share laughter with. So whether it's classy, funny, dorky, nerdy, slapstick, tongue in the cheek, or self-deprecating, Whatever brand of humor feels authentic to you, don't be afraid to use it in the classroom. Humor and good teaching and learning don't need to be on the opposite sides of the spectrum. Laughter lightens the mood and it really helps with learning and teaching. Thank you so much for being with me today. And we are at the end of the show. I'm really glad that you could make it and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.
listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.